Hey, Basic Brown Nerds, this is Joy Valerie. And one of the questions that people are always asking me is, how do I start a podcast? Well, I've been podcasting for almost three years now. And let me tell you, back when I started, there weren't many tools that made it simple to just start. And lucky for you, now there's Anchor.fm and you could get started right away with tools built in, audio features, and also making it really simple for you to monetize on day one. They will distribute your podcast on apps like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. So just go to anchor.fm or download the app to get started and make sure that you share it with us. If we could get everyone to move to the presentation side, we're going to start shortly. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. My mind is just like so blown this still recording because I think it caps yeah. out it. Hi, everyone. So thank you so much for being here tonight, even though, you know, it's not the best of nights outside. You guys made it, and I'm really grateful for that. And I'm really excited to partner up today with Tequeria because we know it's more than just getting our foot in the door. And we're going to be talking about breaking into management, right? Because this is how we start to be part of building companies, create, creating opportunity for people in our communities, and also creating that generational wealth, right? So we're going to hear from our amazing panelists today, getting some gems, and they're going to tell us their experiences because we want to see more of you guys up here one day. And if you don't know who I am, I'm Joy Valerie. I'm a digital operations strategist, and I have my agency, Career Digital Solutions. And I'm also the host of Basic Brown Nerds. So find us on social media, subscribe. So this is extremely special to me because the whole point is to keep creating our own stories and telling our narratives so that we see more people like us represented and that we go out there and do all the things. So I will let the panelists introduce themselves right now. Uh, great. What's up, guys? My name is John, um, and it's awesome to be here with y'all. And um, I'm a fucking purebred founder. I just love being an entrepreneur, which for me, the basic definition of that just means like making a whole lot out of a whole lot of nothing. Um, and so if you're like me, then we have shared backgrounds, meaning we grew up with what on paper might have seemed like a disadvantaged place to start, and maybe that might be true. Um, but if we're in this room, then I think that we all somehow find our way here and are looking to make more out of what we got. And um, I also noticed that Latino community in particular has a certain affinity for like, you know, we want to take care of mama and we want to take care of pops and we want to take care of the fam and our 30 cousins and what have you. <laughs> um, and so anyway, I'll be sharing insights tonight, not necessarily from a corporate perspective. Um, I'll be sharing my perspective from my truth, which is college dropout who kind of mapped out his own way um, and from the perspective of investor and so forth. So anyway, nice to be here and uh, can't wait to jam with y'all. 
Hello. Ah, yep. Hi, everyone. My name is Ale Paredes. I am the head of engineering at Code Climate. Uh, also, my experience is more with a, a small startups. So I love the hustle and the hustle and being busy. So um, I am going to share all, also my perspective, kind of instead of on, from like a large organization, most, mostly from a small one. Um, I also organize Latinas in Tech New York City. Some of our co-founders are around here. So if you want to learn more about it, I be happy to give you more information. And yeah, thank you for coming. Uh, Rafa, Monica, all over this audience, I think my name is Rafael Mojica. <laughs> but here I'm Rafa, so I'm VP of user experience here at DigitalOcean, so I guess I'm the medium-sized company representative. I'm just happy to be here representing this community. Uh, sometimes I uh, get in there and I'm like, I am one of the few Mexicans in DigitalOcean, which is very well regarded in the development community. That is crazy. Good evening. Uh, I'm Veronica Hanau. I'm originally from Queens, New York. I am the sales director of Viochi, was a platform for business continuity and crisis management, a nice focus on the financial services and higher education industries. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about my journey, not necessarily from a technical background, but from a financial services background, getting into finance around the financial crisis. Um, moving across the country and really kind of finding my sponsor that really led me into breaking into management. And I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit further today. And I'm really happy to be here and be part of this community. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Edgar Gonzalez. I am currently a principal engineer on Street Easy, CILO. I would like to share my experience about breaking into and out of management. Uh, formerly, I was uh, director of DevOps and data engineering on Blue Apron. Uh, before that, at some point, I was co-founder and CTO of one startup. So into and out of uh, management. Thank you. Um, so we're going to start the panel by getting to know a little bit more about the stories that you already started. Um, so each of you have had a really unique journey to get to where you are. And for the, those of us that don't know, can you give us that a short version of how you got to the position that you are now? So you guys kind of started, but if you could expand of your current position in management and entrepreneurship. Yeah, uh, sure. I'm happy to start it off. Start it off. Um, my background is growing up Section 8 uptown in the Heights and seeing my pops press. He was a presser to dry cleaner and make 34 cents per garment and have to do 600 garments a week in 104 degree weather in the 90s in New York City um, and see him drive cabs and see my mom sell super soakers in the summertime in New York City and sell patelitos at nighttime to the guys hanging out in the streets. Um, my background is feeling the most love in uh, a neighborhood where on paper it seemed like it was the most dangerous. Um, my background was my mom 
having the foresight to be able to look me in the eyes when I was going to school in Washington Heights and say, hey, you could be president. And nothing about our external circumstance suggested that that were true. But she said, you could be president. And I believed her. And that's what we do when when we're young. We just believe what we're told. And so I think it's a blessing. I think it's a blessing that, you know, this country makes it, especially this country makes it uniquely possible for you to make your own fucking circumstance, make your own path. And um, what that has translated into in, in that spirit, what that's translated into professionally was at every turn almost where I've been faced with, okay, do I want to take it the path that's been carved or do I want to do things a little bit different? I've gone with a little bit different every time, even if it means more uncertainty, even if it means more criticism in the short term, even if it means delaying gratification and not being certain of how you're going to make bread within six to 12 months because I have a vision for 40 years from now. So anyway, that's, that's led me to start companies. I've been fortunate to sell a company. I've been fortunate to start an incubator in Harlem because my heart is, my heart always lies in section eight, like my roots. Like I want to make sure because now I've been in the seat and I see that a lot of motherfuckers pitching me and I ask, Oh, you have a real estate tech company? Like, how'd you get that idea? Oh, well, my uncle owns a franchise of malls. I was like, Oh, okay. And someone else might be like, Oh, I got this great idea. Like, well, all right, cool. How, how'd you get started? Oh, well, my dad's friend had this access to this capital. And then I realized, Oh shit. Like, how big of a crime would it be if all the potential that we sit on, we specifically, this room I'm talking about, is never unearthed because we don't have systemically the networks that can empower us to go out there and fail and give it a shot. And so that's that's kind of my life's work. So now uh, I run a fund along with my partners called Harlem Capital. It's a $25 million fund. And we invest specifically in investing in women and minorities and founders of color because we want to change uh, the face of entrepreneurship. So um, that's what I do. And one of our um, fellow HCP interns and alum is here, Anthony de la Rosa. And I'm really proud. Um, I'm just I'm really proud to be able to be part of a growing network where we offer people a hands-on look at like these companies like digital ocean that are changing the fucking world, how it happens. I feel like I I should switch spots with you. My story. So I moved uh, to the U S six years ago from Venezuela. I studied computer science in Venezuela. I, when I, while uh, I saw in, I started building apps for BlackBerry and I discovered how much money you can make by programming. I was like, oh, I like this. I, I like having money. This is great. Um, so I pretty much graduated as fast as I could. So, you know, kind of like I had that on my mindset. Okay, I can find other sectors that I could join. Uh, kind of like have a lot of impact, which is something that I uh, really enjoy. 
uh, learn a lot because uh, when you're on a small company, you kind of like wear multiple hats. And, um, and I, when I moved to the US, particularly to New York, I um, found a startup called Climax, which is a, a company that I, uh, I'm working right now. Uh, super small, we're like 21. Uh, we have a bunch of customers. We pull off a stuff that is almost unbelievable, but we will, I, we will, I work with like really smart people. And uh, I joined as, as a senior engineer, senior software engineer. And uh, I really like tech, but I don't, write a lot of, I don't like tech as much uh, for the sake of tech. I like solving a problem or like solving a challenge. And, uh, and, and that's why I, I started thinking like, well, we're doing a lot. It's great. But if we organize our thing and like, grow some skills, we can like do even better. And that's when I kind of like started talking with my manager, like, hey, I think we could like try this. And then at some point he was like, I think you should just run the engineering team. You're doing great. Just do it yourself. And, uh, and here I am. I am. I grew up in Guadalajara, Mexico, second largest city in the country. And then came to Kansas. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Kansas. That's why my Twitter handle is Mexicans, and I was going to change it. <laughs> I was going to change it, but today I took the New York Times quiz on what's your language are from in the U.S., and apparently my vocabulary is from Topeka, Kansas. <laughs> so I'm sticking with Mexicans. Anyways, I uh, went to KU for graduate uh, studies. Uh, went to undergrad for communications. So all those great communications, there is a future for you. Went to grad school for industrial design. Um, I feel I my my history is definitely be in the right place at the right time with the right skill set, which is important. People usually forget to mention that being prepared when you're in the right place. That's basically how I ended up here. It was Kansas, interested in Kansas City, and then I got a job at Zabbat because I was in the right place in uh, Austin. I went to survive, met the people from Zabbat, uh, helped build the team at Zabbat, and then we all went from there. And people I knew or I met at Zabbat actually introduced me to my then boss here at GO, and I ended up being the VP of UX two years ago here because I was. I knew the right people, I, I met them in the right place at the right time, and I had no idea what I was doing. That was important. But now, we've been an amazing team here, and uh, it's been amazing. I think you might need to repeat the question again, so I can. Sure. Um, so, oops, let me go back. Um, so just kind of giving the short version of how you found yourself in your current sure. position. So I think there's uh, two turning points um, that I'll briefly mention. One is like putting myself in the mindset of what would you do if you had everything to gain and nothing to lose? And that was my journey into after grad school, after getting my MBA, it was a financial crisis. I went into finance. I went to a financial services firm. And then I went to a corporate governance firm where all my clients were financial services and investors, um, uh, institutional investors. And there was no um, 
programs like this. There was no women in leadership at the time. There was nothing that's going on right now. So I'm super happy to see this going on. But it was really getting myself to a point like, what would I do um, when I had nothing to lose? And I, of course, had the mama and the grandmother and the 30 cousins, uh, uh, you know, back home, you know, um, encouraging me, but not giving me any. Um, network or advice to really help me guide through. So at that point in time, I actually took the risk and moved across the country, not knowing anyone for promotion in my current firm. So I was able to, to really get exposure outside of New York and from a global perspective. And then the second turning point was really when I found my sponsor, which is my current boss. And once I started my company at Viochi, that's where my career really took off. And the reason I got that position and I completely changed careers into sales, into technology, was because this person knew me, knew everything about me in the sense of she knew my background, she knew what I was capable of doing, um, everything that involved myself as being a Latina woman, a, a collaborator, um, someone whose collective mindset. Um, as well as understanding the individualistic of being uh, growing up in the U.S., but also being a first generation, those are the two components. That's really what uh, you know transformed my career and brought me to where I am now, and still growing. Uh, I grew up in Caracas, Venezuela. I also studied computer science. Um, I founded a shop to work for startups in Europe and states. Uh, that went well until the country started going bad. So and at some point, I co-founded uh, a startup. It's, at that time, it was a photo sharing app. So we have some credit because Instagram didn't exist at that time. So well, Instagram didn't exist. So. Uh, so we also were lucky that uh, we get into Techstars in 2011. So that's when I moved to New York. And I started my roller coaster experience as a CTO of a startup, ups and down, and then down. Um, so we got an exit, and then I joined S3DC. Uh, here is the original CTO and founder. Uh, so it was an amazing experience, and I joined before Silo acquired the company. Then Silo acquired the company. I spent three years there. At the end, I was engineering lead there. And then I decided it was time to move. And I had this uh, interesting interview, which uh, the guy that will be my director eventually in Blue Apron. So I joined as an engineer manager. And that was a really interesting experience, the interview about when I get out of the interview, I say, hey, I want to work with this guy. And to be honest, I grew a lot, or I think I grew a lot, as how to do management, something that I was not doing before. And I spent three years on Blue Apron. Uh, so I started as an engineering manager, and I end as a director of DevOps and data engineering. And then I was, at the end, I was burning out. And I decided, hey, I want to take some time off. And then um, a former colleague on S3DC uh, asked me to join back as a principal engineer. So now I am in this weird role that I am a tech lead. I am a, I'm not a people manager, but I'm still doing, I still have the habits of being a manager. So 
Yes, my current role is principal engineer. Cool, thank you for sharing. And that kind of leads into my next question. Um, you know, a lot of us probably don't grow up thinking, I want to be a manager, or I want to manage people, right? Like, most people probably think I want to get a good job, or I want to start a company, or really just get a job and, like, leave my home. <laughs> and, um, and really, it might just scare us to think about managing people. So what are some turning points in that um, in your career and considerations when you moved into a role where you had to manage people and lead teams? Well, I just want to do great shit. I just want to, like, and at some point, you there is only so much that you realize you can do on your own. And, um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm not maybe as strategic as some of my peers. It sounds like you guys have been you know, you guys have had the luxury of working in some excellent world-class organizations. And one thing I did miss out on in my trajectory is that that experience of being groomed to be strong kind of technical managers. And so I had to kind of learn about it, go about it, learning it another way. It was like, damn, I want to do so much. So I'm going to try and do all this shit myself. And then you, like, it pretty quickly you realize that that, that doesn't work. Um, especially if you have an outsized ambition for what you want to do compared to what you're doing. And that's like, that's the root of frustration when there's a mismatch between what you're seeing in your mind and like where you're at. And so, you know, management for me just meant bringing on folks and I've had all kinds of ups and downs with bringing people on. I've had like my first, my first company that I was running grew to maybe about 15 people and, you know, I brought folks on and, and first want, was in love with wanting to be the cool boss and realized, like, okay, you can't be too fucking cool because then work doesn't get done. Um, and then I've been too much of a micromanager, and then that doesn't work either because then you suffocate someone's own creative aptitude. And so it's been interesting to have this balance. But for me, management has just been a vessel by which you can get closer to your desired outcome. And there's no way, and I mean no way, that you can have outsized impact as an individual without capabilities built out around you. You know, you need to be able to summon shit. You need to be able to just like go somewhere and, and you know, with velocity and intensity. And it's, it's usually people that make that happen. And so at Harlem Capital, we have this grand vision where, you know, all women and all minorities get just but 3% of all venture capital out there. And last, 2018, there was $134 billion invested into venture. And this is something that we talked about um, at the private talk at DigitalOcean. But guys, do you see how many companies are going public right now? Like, and we're not talking like, oh, cool. Like, we're talking like generational shit. Like, the last time that we've seen something like this was like this generational shift when we went from offline to online in like the, you know, the mid nineties when you had the first behemoths come about. And then you, we saw the shift from online to mobile when the next wave came about. And like, I'm just sitting here and I'm scratching my head furiously because I'm like, holy shit, there is so much value that's being created that nobody here really has had access to. Um, because when these companies raise their rounds, it's just a matter of picking up the phone saying, yo, you want in? Like, that's how these rounds are raised. And so anyway, 
I, I describe that to paint a picture of like, that's what we're trying to fundamentally till on his ass and make sure that we are the ones shaping the companies of the future. And you tell me how that could happen alone. It couldn't. And so for me, my relationship with management, again, has just been this, this skill that I've had to develop because the mission that I want to achieve is that palpable and that real for me. And there's no other way to do it. Wanna like go like this for our question? Who wants to go? I'm gonna pick someone at random. I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go because I, I I agree with that in terms of not everyone gets to be groomed for management, but you don't need to necessarily manage people to be a manager. You could be a manager of a project. You could be a manager of an idea, and then also you can cultivate that managerial skills into potentially managing a team. But you have to have a vision. And they have to, you have to know how your team is going to be part of that vision because they're going to be maybe the boots on the ground executing it. And they also would be feeding you information. And because they're the boots on the ground, they're going to help craft your vision and craft your goal. So that's really a lot about what um, I have to find the fine balance of managing teams and managing multiple teams as well because there could be different visions. And also there's different skill sets. It's kind of like you can't do it alone. You have to find the team that's going to help support you and, and, and really provide the strength that you don't necessarily have as kind of a complement. At least that's what I look for in my teams. So we have a diversity of skill and diversity across gender and race, et cetera. Um, so that's what's made my team successful. And now they feel like they're part of a whole. But there's always ups and downs, too. We have from understanding what the strategic vision is to uh, micromanaging. So you kind of have to figure out what is the best for that particular team member. Um, so a lot of what I try to do is um, understand how they learn so I can really adapt to their style to make them successful. Uh, so they see me more as a coach um, and in terms of uh, being a leader for that team. Um, I, I want to echo something that you said, Veronica, which is um, uh, I feel like one of the turning points for me into manage, management or like quote-unquote people management is um, I was growing as a senior engineer, and um, I, I feel like uh, as you get uh, more senior, you realize that you have more impact when you actually are able to influence other people on the thing. Uh, so it's not about your output only. Most of the time it's about helping others uh, move faster, have a, a better quality of output. Uh, so when I, I, I was coming to a realization, I was like, oh, this, like, I like it. I like helping people, uh, you know, grow on their careers or understand why we're building the things we're building, what is the problem we are solving. Uh, and then I realized, well, uh, to manage, to kind of, like, build that vision is a lot of like about building that skill. So I think you need to be a manager at all to like start having kind of like a, a better understanding of why you are doing the things you are doing and how you can help the people around you to do those things better. Uh, so I think that's a start. You're listening to Basic Brown Nerds and we'll be right back. Hey, Basic Brown Nerds, this is Joy Valerie, and I have some really exciting news for you. We have launched our merch shop, so you can go to basicbrownnerds.com slash shop and rep the Basic Brown Nerd movement. 
And this is one of the ways that we can keep making high quality content and bring you season three. Yup, we are bringing season three in 2020. And know that when you go to our shop, you're not just supporting us. You are not just supporting the production of this. 100% of the profits goes back into Basic Browner so that we can bring you more episodes but also because I want to make all of the ideas that I have a reality, events, and keep bringing you awesome content that every time you listen or see Basic Brown Nerds, you know that these are people just like you. That in this time where people are talking so much crap about us, that you know that our community is strong, powerful, resilient, that we make things out of nothing. And to be honest, that's how we started Basic Brown Nerds almost three years ago. We started in front of a computer and just trying to figure it out. So if you've been listening since then, thank you so much. And when you shop from Basic Brown Nerds, you're not just supporting this. You are supporting local business, local Guatemalan-owned business right here in New York. So thank you and feel free to reach out to us on social media at Basic Browners and also to me at Joy Valerie with two E's on Instagram and Twitter. I am low-key addicted to social media. That's literally my career. <laughs> I work in media. So I'm really excited to get to know you all, but also feel free to send me any opportunities, any ways to collaborate to keep making this bigger and keep Basic Brown Nerds going. So see you next decade in 2020. Um, so I am old enough to the fact that I become a manager because that was the path that was set on my career. So at some point uh, in engineering, I mean, a few years ago, there was no distinction that you can grow as an IC. Usually, the way to grow was to jump into management. So in my case, it was, oh, you are an engineer with more seniority in the team that has more expertise on the code base. Ergo, you need to be a manager. Um, they say, sure. So I work well with my team, and I start being a manager. And then it's when you realize that you need to prepare for being a manager. It's a different job. It's a different stuff. So in particular, for, I, don't, I don't know about uh, other careers, but in particular for engineers, it's something that as an engineer, we're used to take a problem, it's our problem, and then we solve the problem, and here's the solution. As a manager, it's not longer about yourself. It's about your team. It's how, how you do things at a scale instead of you doing everything by yourself. So. Um, so yeah, so um, that happened to me. And then is what happened is that I like it. I enjoy doing that. And it's, um, indeed, the decision that I made to move into Blue Apron to a, just a pure management role, not being IC, not coding, was in order to develop and grow those, those skills. And I really enjoy it, so yeah. In my case, one of the turning points was when uh, one of my ex-co-workers from Gale hired me as employee number seven for his startup. So 
I was technically the only designer at the time, and I had to build a team. So Vinay became the manager of that team. Uh, very good learning experience. <laughs> Not because you're the first one, that means you're a good manager. <laughs> um, in, in the case here of this learning, then I took those learnings and, rea and realized that it's not about what you are doing. So that was another turning point. It's realizing that, uh, yes, you need to have a vision, like you're saying, and they are going to help you build that vision. So one of my philosophies is, here's where we want to go. I'm creating a path for you, removing the roadblocks. Go do it the way you do it. You know how to do it. Cool. Thank you. And, you know, actually, Rafael, you mentioned you were one of, like, the only Mexican people, right? And here. it's here <laughs> and in the world. Um, but, you know, it's the reason we really have events like this is to build that community, right? Because a lot of the times we probably are the only person of color or the only Latinx or the only woman. I know I have been multiple times. And what, you know, how does that, how have you navigated just, you know, having to just be you and a representative for everyone. This goes for everyone, too. Uh, one, of, one of the things I love about DigitalOcean is that I can be myself, especially because I wouldn't say I'm a regular Mexican. I don't like soccer. Where's the fucking inclusion, people? I do not like soccer, and my wife doesn't like avocado, but I don't judge her. Right. Food, the avocado list. Despite that fact, I, uh, the digital version has allowed me to be myself. I mean, just today, we had Taco Tuesday earlier for lunch, and I provided one request of feedback on the lunch. And nobody said anything about it. So uh, that is one of the things I, I try to do all the time, is not hide who I am, uh, just to get the job, just to grow. I'm, I've been trying to be myself all the time, despite not liking soccer. Um, I've been fortunate enough that where I have been has given me the space to be myself and to have the vision that I want to build and to build a team that way with my Mexicanity and all that surrounds it. So I guess what I'm trying to say there is that if you find yourself in a place that doesn't allow you to do that, it's probably a place where you don't want to be. So go find the one that does let, let you be yourself. Anybody else want to answer that question? Sure. So uh, I guess I am. Uh, in the same position as Rafael, so I has been lucky enough to work on places that are open to diversity, that understand diversity brings value to the company. And also I think, to be honest, is that I'm very lucky to work on this industry that has a lot of demand. So and that's the reason why, I guess, in our industry is that we suffer less of the lack of inclusion, I guess. We are, I mean, the, there was a shift, of course, on the industry that now welcoming more uh, Latinx, uh, minorities, women, etc. So, uh, but yes, 100% agree. If you are in a place that you cannot be yourself, you should move on. Jump in here. Um, 
it's been interesting because one thing I found, um, I'm in these diverse conferences a lot, and we invest in companies that host them, and you know all the time. And it's interesting because even within the Black and Latino communities, there's different degrees of like, you know, what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, yeah, diversity and include, right? And so for, as an example, um, I'm in these conferences and um, a lot of times in in like the upper tier of like, you know, high achievers, if you're a color, like it usually means or I've seen a strong correlation with like certain universities and walks of life and stuff like that. And so. That ends up being this air to, uh, where'd you go? Uh, Yale. So, uh, Harvard. And like, oh, I went, you know, and like, now, I feel like I found myself, in some respects, like, almost like insider, outsider. Like, okay, I'm fucking insider because, like, I belong to this space. I'm contributing meaningfully to the dialogue at that. But then at the same time, I can palpably sense when someone discredits me, slights me, whatever, because I've had a different path. I might, you know, we can talk a little bit different. Maybe, you know, our accent's heavier. We come from a different country or whatever. And it's like, it's been really, really interesting for me to observe that. And I'll say this too. We have a mandate to invest in diverse companies. And it's really fucking interesting. I can think of one case in particular. I won't name the company, but we're underwriting this this woman founder. She comes to us, and I think her the first time she comes to us, she's doing a quarter million. We said, mm, okay, that's good, blah, blah, blah. You know, here's some weaknesses in the business. Come back a little bit later. She comes back about eight months later. Homegirl's doing damn near a million in revenue. And what? And I was like, all right, well, we, you know, we got to take this deal seriously at this point. Like, you know, homegirl's putting numbers up on the board. And, you know, we're doing our, our diligence and, um, you know, the founder and she's so resilient and tough and she's a little hood, right? She's a little hood and, you know, sh and she's not shy to communicate in that way either, which to me is like the realest shit when she's like, yeah, this is how I did it. And, you know, <laughs> and like, so I'm doing my research and I'm like get, gathering feedback from, you know, other potential investors and I keep hearing some things. And it got me fucking fuming and to the point where, you know, we had to have a debate about it internally. But I was like, I kept hearing certain things like, oh, well, this founder is um, non-traditional. Okay. This founder is outside the box. I'm like, okay. This founder and like, I, and I, at the end of the day, I was like, what are we really talking about? What are we fucking talking about for real? Like, you need to let me know. You need to let me know. Right? Because... If it's not enough to just say, yo, we're going to be diversity focused and then apply the same fucking pattern that ex has existed without us and try and map it to us. Like, that's just not how this is going to work. Like, if we want this to work for real, then we need to redesign the whole fucking rubric in the first place. And look, I understand the hesitancy because, look, in this game, in my game in particular, in private equity, a little bit different. I can, if you're raising your company, Justin, I'll buy that shit outright, 51%, I own it, boom, it's done. In venture, we're investing in a founder that needs to have the ability, especially if you're women or founder of color, to A, preserve who you are, but B, you must be able to be trusted with the task of getting the bag, which means 
now it adds a layer of complexity on top of your job because it's one thing, just like how you said that managing is a skill set, company building is a skill set, capital raising is another skill set, right? And now you're tasked with having to cross over into these rooms where you might not be you know, what they're seeing typically, but you still have to be able to inspire confidence in, the, in them, and that's the tricky part. And you still have to be able to come back and grow your company, and it's like two and one. So anyway, I took my answer to that place because I really wanted to bring attention to that, that this diversity and inclusion thing will not fucking work if we're simply applying the white male Ivy League blueprint and trying to retrofit it into our path. It needs to be something that's ground up and we can say, yo, all right, like, I don't care where you're coming from. Like, you're getting it done and that deserves to exist and deserves to thrive in this world. So don't get it twisted. Diversity and inclusion doesn't always mean race, guys. I'm in these rooms. Trust me. There's different levels of elitism. There's varying levels of you know, walks of life, like we're not a monolith. There's all kinds of backgrounds here. There's diversity of thought, approach, what have you. And so I wanted to bring light to that because that's been, for me in this game, very, very, very eye-opening. Would anyone like to follow that? <laughs> I had a question, actually. What tools do you use to navigate that? Because I think... As Latinos, and especially, at least speaking for myself as a first generation, you have your foot in two different worlds all the time. Yep. You know, I used to work downtown in Wall Street, and then I'm same after work, I'm taking the 7 train back to Queens. It's a completely different world, two worlds I had to navigate from the beginning of the day to the end of the night. So I'm wondering what, since you're navigating it now, what tools have you learned or what tools can you share that would help probably everyone? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you have come across some more robust tools in place, but from my perspective, we've come across a few in the market, but I think this is a little bit more deeply rooted than what tools can, than the current offering of tools can solve for at the moment. Maybe this is something that like this audience is well equipped to solve. You look like you want to jump in. Did you? I have, wanna, yeah. So you're not even thinking about a tool. Let, let's say... You know, I've been in similar, uh, smaller situations, but similar. How do you even answer when that happens? Like, you are on that conversation, someone is saying something that is clearly offensive in a polite way. Sure. How do you follow up? I say, yo, can you come again? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that shit will get you kicked out of the room. Um, um, the, the thing is, so that's a good question. It's like, all right, well, how do you decide? Like, you got to pick your battles kind of thing, right? And it's like, at what point does picking a battle on the micro affect your ability to win in the macro? At what point does picking a bone right now, which is like, as you guys can tell, my tendency like, at what point, my partners have taught me, does that leave value on the table for what you could have accomplished in the long run? And um, I'll just end it with this. Some of you guys who follow me may know I'm in real estate, and I want to be the biggest fucking Dominican landlord in the world. Um, yeah, because I just grew up Section 8. Like, I want to buy the block, right? And today I was having a debate with my partner where he's like, all right, bet. Like, we just re renovated these units. Like, we're going to charge maximum rents. I was like, yo, we need to landlord responsibly, bro. And he was like, ah, I'm, he's like, dude, I know you're on a mission. I'm not on the same mission, all right? 
He's like, I need to get my money. I was like, all right. And I realized that, you know, the way, the answer, I said, dude, it might not matter now because we're small landlords. We own 17 units. But when you're, when we're bigger landlords, like, I just realized in that moment today, just a few hours ago, that the most powerful way to answer that question of like, you know, I don't want to let that be the prevailing theme. I'm in the room with landlords and I see them laugh when they talk about their tenants and I know what they're referring to. They say it without saying it. They say, oh, the neighborhood's gentrifying. Oh, John, where are you, landlord? Oh, I'm on the north side. Oh, you're in the war zone, aren't you? I know what the fuck you mean. I know what he's telling me without saying it. But like if the prevailing mindset in this landlord community is a certain way and they're the bigger landlords, the only way that I can change the tilt the shift and make sure that affordable housing doesn't mean shitty housing is by being an even bigger landlord, right? Like we have, and that's why I'm really passionate about like the work that I do and the, the stuff that's going on in this room because the answer, my friends, if we want to change the conversation is to get into the roles of power. And that's why it can mean breaking into management. It can mean, you know, starting your own shit. It could mean a number of things, but I firmly believe that in order to change the conversation, you got to be at the table and let people know when they're making those decisions, like that before they say that stupid thing, they're going to look at you and be like, all right, like I'm going to get checked because best believe if you're not there to check them, ain't nobody, ain't nobody going to check them. And then those decisions that are made at that table impacts us without us knowing it. So a lot of questions were already answered, so I'm going to skip around a little bit. Um, but, you know, what are some of the skills that you think that we actually need to be able to be one of those deciding people, right? How do we get into the room? What type of skills would you recommend that people start seeking out or developing? And, you know, it's kind of tricky because as you guys are talking, one of the things that I know I've had to, and I'm sure a lot of people in this room have had to develop, is like that code switching, right? Like the knowing when to pick your battles, knowing when you put on your very nice voice and talk very well, and not really being, you know, being able to truly be yourself, but still wanting to develop that and get the opportunity to one day be one of those people that are, you know, buying up the block. So what are some skills that you can tell everybody here? Being able to take risks is, like, majorly important. Uh, you are never going to be, like, ready, quote-unquote, ready for the role. You are never going to be perfect. Uh, you may never feel that way uh, also, uh, but that doesn't mean you can do it and you cannot, like, learn how to do it. Uh, when I go promoted to my current role, I, luckily, I, and I have the privilege to connect with a lot of people that are on my role and kind of, like, network, understand what they're doing, what could I be doing better? And a lot of times I, I will ask them, like, okay, uh, I feel, I, I will say very honestly, I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. And they were like, oh, me neither. I am just, like, figuring out every day. <laughs> you know? No one really does. And uh, and then it's, that's, that moment is when you realize, well, uh, why am, am I trying to, like, be perfect and pretend that I know everything? Like, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of your time when you could be thinking, how can I do this better? How can I communicate better. For example, I think as a leader, communication is key. Uh, how can I be of better support for my team? How can I help someone be on block and like grow on the company? 
Uh, so I would say taking risks, don't worry about pretending not like be perfect, um, communicating. Um, related to that, I would say that the skill set of self-awareness <laughs> is so important as a manager because once it will allow you to know what you don't know so that you bring people in that know how to do it and when you are stepping on someone else's toes and saying, you know what, this is this is your role. I'm, I'm here to support you, but I'm, you know better than I do. So self-awareness is so important because also you will evaluate others and see how self-aware they are of themselves and how good, how well they're going to perform when you bring them into your organization. Empathy as well. Empathy. So I think empathy is one of the main soft traits that you should develop as a leader. Uh, and leadership is something that comes from everywhere. I mean, you don't need to be a manager in order to be a leader. So you can be a leader as an individual contributor, as we say on engineering. So, uh, But I think uh, empathy is one of the main things that you should develop and that you should show. It's not just that you have the empathy, you should show to your team that you have empathy. Well, kind of jumping off of that, what are the values that you really think someone should have as a manager? Because it's not really just giving orders, right? Like, everybody thinks like, oh, I'm the boss. I'm just going to tell people what to do. Like, most of the time, it's you're literally leading people because they don't know what they're doing. They're going to have questions, and most of us really don't know what we're doing. <laughs> so what are the values that you try to instill in your team and think that other people should really push forward. Sure, I'll start off. I, I, agree. I just wanted to echo self-awareness, empathy. Those are huge factors when um, that I look for as, just as people. I think it's super important as being an individual contributor to a team or if you're leading a team. I think other uh, practical points are real. I'm looking for critical thinking. That's what I try to instill in my team. And also, if they know something, go ahead and do it. They don't have to ask for permission. It's okay to not get it right, but I want you to at least try because you have the capability of doing it. So that's something that I push for as well in my team. As a manager, you should build this safe place uh, where people can communicate with each other openly, uh, that people can fail without that being an issue. So people can experiment things, try things, and fail if that is the case. And there are no repercussions on that, on those failures. Um, definitely, it's about um, realizing that, again, it's not you, that you don't need to do all the things by yourself. That you need to provide, as Rafael said, guidance to your team, coaching to your team. and. Communicate to the team that you have, that you trust on them. So they, you build this trust relationship with them so they can actually do the job. So because at the end, they are the experts. You are just providing context. And I think one of the main tasks of a manager is retaining talent and make this talent grow inside the company. I think it's interesting because if, if you look at the basketball league, like for me... If you stack up Carmelo Anthony to LeBron James, like, like Carmelo is a lethal score. By the way, I'm not even really huge into basketball, but like, I've been around, you know, I peep it and it's like Carmelo is nasty. 
Like he'll the boy can score anywhere, anywhere, anywhere at any given time. Um, but that's like all he does. Like when he gets the ball, he's always just taking the shot. And if you notice when you hear like these announcers talk about like when they've witnessed great the greatest players of a generation, they have an ability to make other players just get better just by them being on the court. And their facility they're making assists, they're they're just like their presence is really felt on the floor in a way that is probably difficult to quantify. Um, so anyway, I've I've felt that probably the only team that I've been on where I've felt that is a Harlem Capital team. I'm on this team now, and I think before I was um, the vision keeper. I think in this case. Um, you know, I'm on a really well-rounded team. I feel like we're the Warriors right now. And, like, you know, guys, iron sharpens iron. And Ant knows, like, iron sharpens iron. And we sit down with each other and we have honest feedback and we check ourselves. And, you know, there's an element of competition. There's all kinds of elements in our team that um, we're proactively trying to make each other better all the time. So anyway, it's something that has been new for me um, that I think has made made a world of impact. One, I think, last question that is, you know, really probably on everyone's mind is how do you even try to transition into, like, an actual management role? What if you're just, like, an entry-level employee? Like, how do you get to those positions? I could... Um tell you about my story because I was an individual contributor and I was doing everything in the sales role and then they realized that I can't do it (laughs) by myself so they just gave me someone for my team so that's kind of how it started so that's one that's one way but I think also I if you're entry level and you're just looking to get on projects and learn more I have a good and bad habit depending on some, your perspective of keeping people's calendars on my calendar and seeing what meetings and what uh-huh. projects are coming up and inviting myself to the meeting and to the project so I can learn more or going to that person. Hey, I see you have a meeting about this project. I'm interested. This is the value I could bring to that particular project. How can be, I be a part of it? And that could, gets you visibility. So it's a bit of asking, taking a risk, but also knowing your, your value, knowing your worth. It doesn't have to be something that's monetary, that's uh, quantitative. It could be qualitative from your perspective, and it could be something that could be really valuable in the long run. I cannot agree more with that. I, um, in my case, I think, uh, I mean, I have a very supportive. Ma- I have had very supporting managers uh, on my recent job, uh, on my current job. And uh, I think obviously that helps. Uh, but at some point, I had to like ask point blank what I wanted. And uh, and I, I think that makes it way easier because uh, your manager, even when he wants or she wants to be very supportive, she's not reading your mind. Uh, and she may ask questions. And But if you are not like being clear about what you want and like the opportunities that you see and and uh, kind of like, oh, I'm learning this or I'm trying that or I think like, uh, then she cannot like find opportunities for you. Uh, so I cannot stress enough how important it is to communicate openly if you uh, are comfortable enough with your manager about like what do you want for your career, what kind of like different things you are interested in and like find a small opportunities where you can like start learning those skills. It's not like you have to like go right into management. 
there may be, as she said, you can like lead a project and then you can like lead another team member and like a small steps and then you can like start building that experience. Definitely 100% agree with Ale. That's something that, uh, yes, go to your manager and ask that you want to test the water of driving some projects, leading some initiatives, perhaps it's not jumping into people management. That's something that, of course, that you need to do that with the support of the organization, but you can start with some technical project and say, hey, I would like to drive this initiative, and just start testing the water. So. I think as a, as a person now that hires, I think what I always look for is people who just went and did something. I don't care what it is, um, but like 10 times out of 10, I'd like I firmly believe that we're just in this era where we can make a play. You can make the play. Like when I wanted to, as an example, when I wanted to start speaking, no one, you know, would invite me. So I created my own meetup and then I just made myself the speaker. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's like, okay, then, you know, did that for a little while. And then like, and then you're able, like you can make the play, you can make the play. And so, you know, in truth, I don't have that much like experience navigating corporate politics and I'm, you know, empathetic to that's the fact that that's a real dynamic that a lot of you guys have to go through. But what I can say is that if you're still yearning to add like another level of, you know, responsibility or growth or what have you in your career, I think what can separate you is legit just making a play for yourself. And again, at like when my partners and I, when we look through 250 plus people and we have to find the standouts, like, yeah, we check the boxes, but like beyond that, we look for, okay, what is this person actively doing with their time that suggests that they're putting their money where their mouths are at? And so I don't know if you're, if you're here and you're like, dude, I want to take on more. What have you done in the last three months that would suggest that you really want to take on more besides just talk about it? You know what I'm saying? And so that's what I look for. And that's what I think really, fuck management. Like, that's how you become the boss, to your question earlier. (laughs) That's how you become the boss, when you nurture that ability to think something up, get the play in motion, get it going. And before you know it, one of those things pop, and that's how you end up. Well, thank you all so much. And thank you all for coming. Yeah, we can all hang out at each other on social media. Follow us. Follow me at Joy Valerie and at Basic Brown Nerds. If you guys want to go around and tell them where to find you. Yo, I'm telling you, this is serious. (laughs) Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Basic Brown Nerds. Basic Brown Nerds is a production of Carrera Digital Solutions, where dreams, effort, vision come together to empower our communities through tech and media. If you want to support us, you can make a donation through our website, basicbrownnerds.com, or simply share our content with your friends. Thanks for listening to Basic Brown Nerds.